0: Somebody this morning, welcome them to church as we continue to worship. All throughout my history, your faithfulness has walked beside me. The winter storms have made way for spring.
1: let oh. Just blow.
0: so thankful for freedom in Christ this morning. Sing Oh What a Savior.
1: Oh what a Savior.
2: Palm Sunday, God, as we remember, God, as we enter into the Holy Week, Father, may we forever be reminded of the sacrifice that was given for the redemption of the world. God, I pray that as we go into your word, Father, that you will God, that we will be challenged. God, that we will be reminded of the sacrifice. God, of our responsibility. God, I thank you for those who have gathered here today and those who are watching online. Father, I pray that... God, that we'll never forget... Father, I pray that we will leave here changed. It's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Everybody said amen and amen. Look at your, the person sitting to your left or to your right, and you probably came with them, so tell them you're glad they're here anyway. Tell them they're looking good this morning. Now, if anybody lied, go ahead and repent. Repent. We are so excited about what God is doing, and uh, I can tell you as a pastor, I am uh, I am so excited that, that next week is is Easter. Um, this will be our third Easter in this building, but last year, as, as if you know, uh, as you know already, we didn't we were we yeah we weren't able to have service uh, here in the building, and and so uh, Easter is like the uh, I told somebody it's like the Super Bowl of Christianity. Um, and, and so today, I want you to look at this as uh, maybe the pregame speech, all right? Um, we uh, we are looking at what God's going to do and what He's doing all across our community, and I'm so excited about what God is doing now, what He's going to do next week. And um, so I want to encourage you to be thinking about that, and and we're going to talk a little bit more about that this morning. Right now, we're in a series. Uh, this is the th- uh, part three And what we've been doing is we've been looking at Jesus is, and then we've been filling in the blank. Um, Everyone has a a, a different idea of who they think Jesus is. The reality is, is many times that picture or the way and what we think Jesus is and who we think he is, it's flawed. Because many times we base that on maybe our religion, we base it on tradition, uh, we base it on movies or, or paintings or, or art, uh, all of these different things. And the reality is, is that most of the time, none of them are usually correct. So a lot of people have, have a flawed idea of who Jesus is. So in this series, we've attempted to look at the actual word of God, look into the scripture and say, it really doesn't matter what, what Hollywood says or or what my grandma told me or, or none of that matters. What matters is, is, is what is in the word and it has to line up with what's in the scripture. The first week we looked at Jesus as a person and we said, Jesus is my best friend. And we talked about how that Jesus came to this earth and he was here. The first 30 years of his his life, he spent just being human. He spent just going through things that, that you and I would go through. The Bible tells us that he experienced everything. Everything that we could ever face, Jesus has already faced. And because of that, he qualifies to be our best friend. Everything that you ever went through. Last week we talked about Jesus, the miracle worker. We looked at the first recorded miracle of Jesus when he turned the water into wine, and how that that when he could have just walked over to the containers where the wine used to be and filled them, but instead he did something that really didn't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. It was so out of the ordinary, and Mary knew what was going to happen. His mother, and he looked at the. She looked at the service and said. Just do what he says. And how that in our lives, many times, things are going to happen and we're looking for a miracle and we expect it to happen in a certain way. But we have to understand and realize that God's ways are not our ways. And that the miracle that we're expecting may not come in the way that we expect it. So we have to trust him. And if you missed either of those messages, I encourage you to go back uh, to the website and and watch those, because I believe that that they lay the foundation of who Jesus really is. Today, it's, it's only fitting on Palm Sunday that we look at Jesus as the Lamb. Because you can't talk about Jesus without this attribute. I mean, if you could only pick one attribute, one quality of Jesus, it would have to be Jesus as the Lamb. Our key passage for uh, this series is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, when it says, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you to let you in on God's master stroke, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy. I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is. Then, Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified And so during this series, that's exactly what we've been trying to do. Uh, We're not trying to to impress you with with speech and and deep philosophy. We're just wanting you to know, understand, plain and simple, this is who Jesus is. Today is Palm Sunday, the week before Easter. Uh, The focus of Palm Sunday is is the cross. We are entering into the the holy week, the week where, where Jesus came into Jerusalem that he would ultimately die on the cross. He was headed to his final destination, his final purpose. And in John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Today I want to look at that phrase in the middle of that, the Lamb. The lamb, Jesus is mentioned as the lamb 104 times in scripture. Over half of those is found in the first five books of the Bible because the first five books of the Bible, it begins with this concept and the idea that, that we have to have a perfect lamb for sacrifice. So the first five books, we talk about that and over half of the mentions, there's 25% of those mentions of him being the lamb, is found in the last book of the Bible in Revelation. As a matter of fact, the book of Revelation describes Jesus as the lamb more than anything else. But the question for you and I today is, what does all that mean? How does it apply to me, to my everyday life? So I want to start way back in the book of Exodus. When we talk about how that we know that, that the children of Israel, they were held captive in Egypt. And the Bible tells us that there were 10 plagues that were trying to convince Pharaoh to let the Israelites go. You, you may have seen the movie. And so he goes to them and there's, there's nine plagues. But then on the 10th plague, the 10th thing that happens is what finally allows Pharaoh to know, man, God means business. And what that plague was was simply this. He said, I'm going to take the firstborn male of every household. They're gonna die on this particular night. Now, God didn't want that to happen to his people. So he said, listen, here's what's going to happen. There's gonna be a death angel and it's going to pass through the streets. And that death angel is going to take the firstborn male of every household. But because I don't want that to happen to you, here's what you have to do. You have to sacrifice this lamb and then take the blood and paint it over the doorpost. And when you do that, when the death angel sees that blood, he's going to to pass over your house. And that's where the word Passover comes from. When we celebrate Easter, we know that it's always on the same week as the Jewish Passover, and what the Jewish Passover is, is when they would celebrate every year, and they would remember how God set them free. So on this day, Palm Sunday, Jesus entered into Jerusalem this Passover week. He came into the city, and he died on this coming Friday. We call that Good Friday. The tradition of Jewish Passover, here's what would happen. They would sacrifice the lamb at nine a.m., which just happened to be the same time that Jesus was being crucified. So when Jesus was being crucified, when the nails were being driven into his hand, all across the city there was knives, and lambs were being sacrificed. Then at three p.m., they would take that lamb, and they would put it into their instapot. I mean, into their oven, whatever they cooked on. And they would begin to to cook that lamb to use as part of their Passover meal. And it was at 3 p.m. that Jesus died. He was put into the grave. 1 Corinthians chapter five, verse seven says, for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. So we can go back and look at how that Passover was celebrated, and in that, we can compare it to what Jesus did. And there's so many comparisons, so many things that we could look at, but this morning, I only want to look at three. And that's because any good sermon has three points. First of all, we need to realize the Lamb was perfect. The Lamb was perfect. It had to be perfect. Exodus chapter 12 verse 5 says your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may also take it from the sheep or from the goats. So here's what would happen. That they would have several days that they would come to the temple and that they would bring their lamb and they would have him inspected by the priest. So they would come in and, and the priest would, would, would look at these lambs. Now do you remember the, the story where Jesus went into the temple and he, and he was so irritated and he, and he got out a whip and he turned over the tables and, and you think, why did he do that? Well the reason that he did that was because the priest had become corrupt. So people would, they would bring their lambs to the temple and the priest would look at them and no matter whether they were perfect or not, more often than not, they would say, no, this lamb this, this lamb doesn't get it. This lamb's not going to work. You say, why did they do that? The reason they did that was, was because they had lambs in the back. And they said, that lamb's not going to work, but look what I have here. It's a perfect lamb. And so they were using this to, to make money. They did it Intentionally. And they, they were selling lambs and, and animals to sacrifice. And so Jesus comes in, he kicks over the tables, and, and he's not happy. But the question is, why, was, why did the lamb need to be inspected? Why was it important that it was a perfect lamb? And the reason that the lamb had to be perfect it was, was because that the imperfect can only be redeemed by the Perfect. The imperfect can only be redeemed by the perfect. Now I want you to, if you don't listen to anything else I say today, I want you to listen very closely because I don't don't want you to leave here thinking or saying that I said something I didn't say. But when we go through life, we have started to believe that heaven is, is not a place for perfect people. Can I tell you it is? You can only get to heaven if you're perfect. Some of you just got ready to get up and walk out right now. might as well just give up, right? Why? Because none of us are perfect, right? So, Pastor, are you saying that no one will ever make it to heaven? No, that's not what I'm saying. But often we go through life and we think, well, well, we put ourselves on a scale. And we say, well, I'm more good than I am bad, so I'm going to get in. Can I tell you that your good is not good enough? There's nothing that you can do that qualifies you to go into a perfect heaven. Heaven is 100% perfect. You have to be perfect. You say, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. We aren't perfect. But the blood of Jesus, the perfect sacrifice makes us perfect. In order for your sins to be, to be washed away, it has to be done by something that is perfect. And that is Jesus, our lamb, the only person who, who was ever in history who was ever perfect. That's why he qualifies to be our lamb. He is the only one that came and lived his life without sin. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18 and 19 says, you were redeemed. You were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. You were redeemed, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He says, you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. So it's incredibly important that we understand That Jesus had to be perfect. That the lamb had to be perfect. The second thing I want you to see about the lamb is, is that the lamb was sacrificed. The lamb was sacrificed. Today is Palm Sunday. And we're focusing on the amazing sacrifice of Jesus. Here's what the Bible says about the Passover lamb in Exodus chapter 12, verse 6. It says, now you should keep it until the 14th day of the same month then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. It says it has to be slaughtered. It has to be slaughtered. One, one passage and one version says slaughtered instead of kill because it's actually closer to, to, to the actual meaning. Now listen, I'm not trying to, to work up emotionalism, but I, I wanna speak to you from my heart just for a few moments. Jesus just didn't die on the cross. He was slaughtered. I mean, the book of Isaiah, the prophet tells us that he was marred beyond recognition. Jesus was beaten so brutally that you could not even recognize him. But many times when we see it described or we see maybe a a little drop of blood on his head a little drop of blood on his hand or, you know, maybe coming out of his side. And I know that many people have a hard time watching the passion of the Christ. I've talked to people and they say, man, I I just can't watch it. It's too brutal. And while that, it is very graphic and it's very brutal. But when you read scripture and you know what he really went through, it's, it's the closest thing that, that you're going to see. He was whipped until skin came off his back. The crushing of uh, four inch thorns pushed into his skull. The nails actually going through his hand. And if you see him depicted in a picture, you can see his knees were bent. And the reason that they were bent was, was because if he didn't die from the actual beating, they wanted him to suffocate to death. So they would, they would bend their knees. And in order for him to, to get a breath, he would have to pull himself up and straighten up his diaphragm. And then when he would hunch back down, it would just be that more, much more excruciating until he couldn't pull himself up anymore. Jesus just didn't die on the cross. He was slaughtered for you and for me. The spear driven into his side, it said that water and blood came out. Now, now science says that, that that meant that his heart had exploded. And you think about that, and you think, Pastor, you're being awful graphic this morning. But you think about that, and you think about if you're a follower of Christ and you do something that you know you shouldn't do, Uh, you immediately, the Holy Spirit, you feel conviction. And it's like, man, I shouldn't have did that. You ever said something, you thought, man, I shouldn't have said that. Come on, let's be honest. Confession is good for the soul. How many people did it this morning? All right, yes. Man, I shouldn't have done that. You're on your way to church. Man, I shouldn't. Okay, it's enough. But you think about that, and and, and if you're like me, once you do it, I mean, it's just continually on my mind thinking, man, I've got to figure out how can I make that right. I've got to, man, I've got to call that person. I've got to, to, and, and all of this stuff. You feel that conviction. You think about that, and you think about how you feel, and then think about Jesus. He was taking on the sin of the entire world on one person. His heart had to be breaking. So your lamb wasn't just killed, slaughtered. Exodus chapter 29, verse 38 and 39. Here's some good news. Now this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. So in the book of Exodus, we begin to read and we see that every day, twice a day, they were supposed to sacrifice a lamb. You say, man, why did they have to do that? Well, it was for the sins that they had committed. So, so they would sacrifice one in the morning. Then they would mess up during the day and they would have to sacrifice again at twilight. Can I tell you some Christians still live with that sense of guilt? I mean, I, I was raised, and you may have been raised the same way. I was scared to death that even though I had asked Christ into my life, that, 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 I would, that Jesus would come back before I confessed my last sin. And so I would find myself every day, all day, every day, living with guilt and condemnation. I can remember well up into my adult years, this is the truth. Um, you know, when you're younger, you ride roller coasters, you don't think much about them. And, but as I begin to get older, I can remember getting on a roller coaster and as I, you know, the clicks, you know, you're starting to go up that hill. And I promise you, I'd be saying, God, forgive me my sin. God, forgive me if there's anything that I did that, that, I, that I don't even know about. God, forgive me because if this thing crashes, I don't wanna die and go to hell. I'd get on an airplane before it took off. God, please forgive me the whole time. God, I, I didn't mean to talk to that, what do they call them now? The people that, steward is, I, I, I don't know what they call them. Flight attendant, thank you. Um, man, I didn't mean to talk to her that way. Man, I didn't mean to get angry at the, at the person that tried to tell me my bag was too big. But we lived our life continually with guilt and condemnation. God forgive me of all my sins. The the most refreshing thing that I ever heard was one time I heard this old saint pray and he said, Father, forgive me of anything that I've done and anything that I've forgot that I've done. And I thought, man, that's just the best way to pray. That just covers everything. But can I tell you, you don't have to live that way. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 and 11 says this By that that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. So when Jesus was sacrificed, his sacrifice was perfect, his sacrifice was pure. His sacrifice was complete and it took care of your sin. So when you come to him and you ask him to forgive you of your sin, when you ask for that perfect lamb, that, that, that blood of the perfect lamb to, to cover your sin, you don't have to live every day thinking, well, I wonder if God still likes me today. The wrath of God has been satisfied you don't have to live in constant terror. Oh, I, I wonder if he comes back today, if I'll go. You don't have to live that way. It says the perfect lamb was sacrificed. Now, I'm not saying there won't be things that, that you do that you, don't have to, you need to repent of. Repent just means to, to turn, a 180 degree turn. But I'm saying you don't have to live in, in constant question and condemnation and guilt You aren't holy, I'm not holy, but through him we are. God makes you perfect. The imperfect has to be redeemed by the perfect. And so they would have a lamb, they would find it, it would have to be perfect. So once they found the perfect one, they would then sacrifice that lamb. Then they would begin to cook it for that evening. And they would cook it so that it could be consumed for the feast. But there was another rule. Something else they had to follow. There was allowed to be no unconsumed meat. So they would cook this lamb. And they had to make sure that there were no leftovers. It had to all be consumed. So so most households... The lamb was bigger than what they could eat. So they had to do something to take care of the leftovers. And so they would share the lamb. So that's the third thing. The lamb was shared. What they would do is they would bring people into their feast and say, Hey, look, we've got too much food here. There's more than we can eat, and it has to all be gone. And so they would bring people into their feast. They would take the lamb around, and, and they would share it. They would say, hey, you need, you need to come eat. You ever, anybody going to have too much food next week on Easter? Anybody? Okay, I'm coming to your house. Anybody else? I need dinner, too. Anybody up for an Easter breakfast? you ever had too much food and you think, man, I've got to get this food out of this house or I'm going to gain 50 pounds. So you invite people over and say, you need to eat this. You need to help me consume this food. I want you to have these calories. And so that's what it was like here. All the lamb had to be consumed. So they shared it. Exodus chapter 12, verse four. It says, and the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbors next to his house take it according to the number of their persons, according to each man's need. You shall make your count for the lamb. Now go ahead of me a little bit and some of you already have. You see where I'm going with this. Our church is too small. As a matter of fact, every church in this world is too small. You say, Pastor, why is that? That's because as long as there is one person who hasn't eaten the lamb, who hasn't had a piece of the lamb, the church is too small. Think about it this way what Jesus did on the cross, it didn't just take care of us, it says it was for the world. It was for everyone. And so during the Passover, others were invited to be a part. Now, if you've already experienced the benefits of the lamb, if you've already had your share of the lamb, if you're already sitting at the table, then the one thing that he asks of you is he says, don't leave any lamb left over. Now, I have no personal ego, desire. I don't want to be the, the guy that's at the mall and they say, oh, there's a pastor of that big church. It has absolutely nothing to do with that, nothing. As a matter of fact, I don't care what church it is. I wish every church across this city was filled to overflowing why? Because there's still more lamb to be shared. There's still more lamb to be shared. And so that's our assignment. That is our assignment. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19 says this. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. He said, listen, you need to tell Others. It's our job. It's our job. And as I was saying, we have an amazing opportunity this week. We have an amazing opportunity because next Sunday, there will be people who are more open to coming to the table, statistically proven, than any other Sunday of the year. And... and the opportunity that we have is not painting eggs or hunting eggs or getting baskets, or, and that's all fine and good. But the opportunity that we have is just that. People will come. We need to share the lamb. And so I'm going to ask you to do three things, and this is maybe, and if you're a guest, this is probably completely different than, what normally happens here, but I just felt really compelled. You know, a, a lot of people they just come to church on Easter, and um, the reality is, is that many of them weren't able to do that last Easter. So they're at a point in their life they're thinking, "Man, I, I need to get somewhere." And you know where they're going to go? We'll talk about it in just a minute. They're going to go where they're invited. And um, now I'm going to tell you, um, I've been cheating a little bit because I've been telling you the last two or three weeks, you know, you need to invite people, you need to get people here. And, and uh, so there's some people that I've been trying to come to church for probably, it feels like, 57 years. Um, but I um, looked at them this week and I said, listen, I'm pastor, okay? I said, do you like me? Yeah. Are we friends? Yeah. Said so you, you don't want me to look bad, do you? No. I said so. I've been telling my people that they need to bring people, but if I show up and I don't have any friends, wouldn't you feel bad? Listen, we're not, we're not above bribing. We're not, it doesn't matter. I said, Pastor, that's. Hey, when I I was a youth pastor, I mean, we gave away all kinds of stuff. Why? Because we wanted them there. Why? So that we could say we had a large youth group? No. It's because those kids needed the lamb. They needed Jesus. They needed community. And your friends and your family, your coworkers, your neighbors, they need the same thing. So I'm gonna ask you to do three things this week. The first thing is something that we should do before we do anything, and that's pray. Pray. I'm gonna ask you to join me in prayer this week. Carve out a little extra time and pray every day this week for people's lives to be changed. There's people that that are in your life, and, and what has happened is there's barriers that has come between them and God. Paul talks about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, when he writes this. He said, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. The th- key thing there is, whose mind the God of this age has blinded. In other words, there's people in your life that the enemy has tricked And there's barriers between them and God. And the thing that can change that is prayer. Prayer. Prayer can move what's in the way out of the way. And so what I'm asking you to do is, is this week, pray. There's going to be people who come in here next week who need a life-changing experience. And I'll throw that in, I'm, I'll throw something else in right here. Um, as, as pastors, we are continually, you know, if you've heard one Easter sermon, you've heard them all, right? And so as, as I was praying about what we were going to do, I thought, you know, there's a lot of people who, who just come to church on Easter, and I'm not throwing stones, that's better than never, Okay. But the problem is, is that when they come on Easter, if they just come on Easter, they're hearing the same sermon every year. They already know that Christ died for their sin. They already know that that he was crucified on Friday, that he was put in the grave, that he rose again on Sunday. They know that. But the issue is, is from that day after Easter until the next Easter, it's living it. And there's barriers, things in their lives and things in our lives that keep us from following Christ. So next week, we're gonna start a series and we're gonna talk about baggage. And we're gonna look at the baggage that we carry around every day of our lives, baggage that we can be free of. And so for the next several weeks, starting next week, that's what we're gonna talk about. And what I am believing is, is that people will come and they'll say, hey, I wanna follow Christ, but I've got all these reasons why it's keeping me from it. And that they'll be enticed to come back and say, hey, that's me. Hey, that's me. So I'm praying that the barriers be removed. The second thing is invite. Invite. Now, I'm not talking about just saying, you know, hey, come to Easter service next week. Okay, pastor, I did it. Hey, come to, you know, uh, putting a bumper sticker on your car. Follow me to Gateway Church. That's not what I'm talking about. Have you ever had somebody that, that, You felt like you needed to invite them to your house, but you really didn't care whether they came or not. It's like, hey, come by sometime. Like, okay. But you have somebody that you you really want to come over, and that you you're going and you say, listen, I'm making chicken and dumplings, whatever you like. I'm making steak. It's going to be at five o'clock. I've got a plate just for you. If you don't come, I'm going to have my feelings hurt. Don't make me do all this work for nothing, whatever it takes. But you tell them and you get them and they come. And when I say invite, that's what I mean. Offer to pick them up, offer to buy them lunch, tell them you'll meet them downstairs, tell them what service you're coming to. We have a 9.30 and 11.15, exactly the same. Let them know, be intentional about it, invite them. Whatever it takes. Romans chapter 10, verse 13 and 14 says this. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But how shall they ask him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? That's our job. Possibly it's your job. It's my job. Revelation chapter five, verse 12 says this saying with a loud voice worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing so pastor what's that got to do with it when you come in here next week don't come in here looking like somebody kicked your dog when you come in here next week you know if I'm not a follower of Christ and and You know, how many do we have any morning people here? Nope. They're all at the they're all at the first service. They're at the first service. He's a morning and they they do both. Love you guys. But you know, we come in and you know, we stagger over downstairs and get a cup of coffee, and you're like, oh man, I'm so tired. Now, if I'm not a follower of Christ, if if I come in and see that, it's like, man, this this place is I might as well have stayed in bed. But then you go to some place where people are excited and they're talking, and, 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 and we have that around here. We really do. Uh, COVID has, has hindered that some. Uh, and it used to be that you know we'd be 15 minutes into service and I'd look back and say, man, where's everybody at? And then I, they're all downstairs. And the time I get up to preach, you know, everybody was, I was like, oh, there you were. We have that kind of church. But what I'm saying is, is that, that when, when people come, you know, I grew up in a church. The Bible says, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Um, you know, some of us grew up that we were anything but glad when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord. We were mad. We were sad. Anything but glad. Uh, but we want to, to, this to be a place that, that we're glad. We are glad that we're here. We're glad that we get to come together. We're glad that, that guests are here. And so, what I encourage you to do is, is just smile. If you've got a mask on, just smile with your eyes, okay? Let people know that you're happy that you're, they're here. I had somebody, uh, first service, say, Pastor, I've invited my whole family. And I thought, well, that's great. He said, there's 25 of them. He said, we might need more seats. I said, that's great. I don't know what we'll do with all the tape. But the key there is, he said, "I've invited them. I've already started working on them. I want them to be there. So invite, be excited, and then participate. Participate. Don't um, put it all on me or on the worship team. We talk about around here a lot. We, you know, we we do membership." But when we talk about membership, we say, listen, uh, I even have an an issue almost with the the word membership because membership means that, you know, you have rights. So membership means, you know, I was a member of the Y, I think, for like the last year. And my right was I didn't have to go. (laughs) And their right was they would let me come in anytime I wanted to as long as I kept paying my money. And, And sometimes we treat church that way. And we think, well, I've got rights, you know. But, but we look at membership as ownership. Because if you're a small business owner, you understand and you know that, that you know, you, you've got some stake in this. And can I tell you, you have some stake in this. And that is your friends and your family and your coworkers and your neighbors. That's what's at stake. Heaven and hell, that's what's at stake. And so, if you have never signed up to work a service, you know, we do two services around here mainly because we want you to be able to serve one and come to one. We want you to be able to eat and serve. And so, if you've never signed up to work, we need people to park cars, we need people to shake, not shake hands, um, fist bump. And you say, well, I don't just, we just need people to smile. We need people to, to make people feel welcome. And so I ask you to participate. Participate. Take ownership. Why? Why did I feel like I needed to take the last 15 minutes of this sermon to go through this? It's because, see, my heart. My heart is, is that the Lamb to be shared and it's up to you and it's up to me now you you say pastor i'm here today and and i just tell you that 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 joy you're talking about you know that zeal uh I, i'm having a hard time with it right now i'm having a hard time and, and it's going to be hard for me to be excited about sharing the lamb when when i'm struggling so bad and my prayer for you today is, is that you can understand and realize that the, the verse that says, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The very next verse says that he didn't send his son to condemn the world. And so often, so often, we live with our own personal guilt and condemnation, and that's not God. And this morning, God wants to reassure you. He wants to put joy back into your life. You say, Well, well why is joy? The Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And some of us are walking around weak, we're walking around defeated. It's because The enemy has taken our joy through guilt and condemnation. And so if you're here this morning and and that's you, I want you to know that God sees right where you are and the sacrifice of the perfect lamb was made for you. You don't have to live in it. God wants to restore your joy. I'm gonna ask you to stand right where you are. And I know, as I said, I know that this has been... Completely different, and, um, but I, I don't apologize for that because I, I felt that God had just he had been hammering in this in my soul. and um, I believe with everything that is in me that uh, how many people were here the first Easter that we were here? If you look on our website, the, the picture that uh, is on the website, because you know, this place was just packed. And I believe with everything that is in me that God wants to do something in the lives of people next week. But before we can share the lamb, I want us to make sure that we are ready to share it and that we're not walking around with guilt, condemnation, joyless, depressed. So I'm gonna pray. And um, after I pray, Nick's gonna sing a chorus. And what I'm going to ask you to do is, if you need prayer for anything, this altar's open. We have altar workers, a prayer team that will pray with you, believe with you, cry with you, laugh with you, whatever you need. Because that's the definition of community, doing church together. That's, that, that's why we do this thing. So that we, we hurt when others hurt. We rejoice when others rejoice. So if you need prayer and you need somebody to agree with you, I can promise you, you'll never be in a a place where there's more love than where you are right now. But I want to, however you feel comfortable, just examine yourself. And as Nick sings, just ask God to remove any guilt, any condemnation. If you're here this morning and you've never asked Christ to come into your life, it's just that simple. If you've never asked for that, blood of that perfect lamb Jesus to cover multitude of your sin it's just that simple you don't have to have a knife or you don't have to cut anything up it just says God forgive me but whatever you need today whatever you need God will do Father, I come before you this morning. Father, I'm so thankful, honored, and privileged to be able to stand in front of this group of people. God, there's no place that I would rather be than right here, right in this moment. God, I'm so excited about what you're doing in in our lives, in our church, and in our community. God, I know that there is absolutely no doubt in my mind that you placed us right here in this time, for this season. God, as we begin to search our souls, Father, I pray that you will speak to us. God, if there's anyone here that's living with constant guilt, condemnation, God, that you will allow them to know that the lamb was sacrificed for them. God, I pray that as we examine ourselves, Father, that you restore the joy of our salvation. God, that when we go out starting today, Father, that that joy of our salvation and the joy that that you give us will be evident to everyone that we come in contact with. God, I pray that you will use us. God, that you will help us Share the good news. Father, I pray if there's anyone here that's struggling, God, you set them free this morning. Father, we're looking forward to what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you sing this chorus? Savior, if you need prayer, the altar's open. can move the
0: mountain my god is mighty to save he is mighty to save forever author of salvation he rose and conquered the grave jesus conquered the grave a shine your light and let the whole world In for the glory of the risen King Jesus, shine your light and let the whole world see. We sing in for the glory of the risen King, Savior, He can move the mountains.
2: we want to thank you for being here this morning i pray that you were challenged and i pray that as we go through this week if you're a guest once again thank you for being with us uh something i failed to mention uh if you have not downloaded the church center app uh, you can get that on your um your iPhone, your Apple device, or uh, if you have a Samsung, is that what it's called? An Android? I'm just kidding. Uh, You can come and lay it at the altar, and we'll pray over it, and then you can get it from the Google Price Store. Uh, But download the Church Center app, and uh, and in that, you can check in. And uh, if you have kids, it's a good way to be able to check your children in uh, before you ever get here. And uh, when you get downstairs, they'll just scan a barcode, and it'll print the thing out, and uh, but do that because we want you to know that uh, you are more than a na- you're more than a number here, but you're a name. We love you, have a great Sunday, and uh, we will see you uh, next week, Super Bowl Sunday.